today on City Cash Chicago. When you say Chicago foods, everybody's quick to jump in with the classics, right? Hot dogs and pizza. And yes, most Chicagoans have their favorite spot for a Chicago dog. Mine is Dan's Hot Dogs and Brainerd or tavern-style pizza. For me, that's Italian fiesta. But this city's contributions to culinary history are way more diverse. And there are actually a couple dishes you probably didn't even know were born here, depending on which side of the city you live on. It's Wednesday, September 29th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. If I'm going to talk Chicago food, I'm going to talk it with a Chicago food expert. And that's Louisa Chu, the Chicago Tribune food critic and co-host of the food podcast, Chewing. She also grew up on the city's north side. Yeah, that's important to mention. Well, Louisa, thank you for making time for us to talk about one of our favorite subjects in the whole wide world, (laughs) uh, food particularly Chicago foods. Jacoby, thank you so much for having me back. And it is a pleasure, as always, to talk to you um, about anything, but especially food, especially Chicago food. When people say Chicago foods, I know that the the cliches here, right? Deep dish, hot dogs. When I think of Chicago foods, I think of like Harold's mild sauce and, and hoagie sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were a few dishes that I didn't realize had their origins in Chicago. Our team got to thinking about this topic a couple of weeks ago when we found out that the brownie was invented in Chicago. Mm. And I never knew about it. We're really going into the belly. Hello. How are you? How you doing, boss? Now we're entering the Palmer House Pastry Kitchen. Okay. And so we went down to the Palmer House Mm -hmm. and we ate that apricot-glazed, fudge-like brownie. Oh, my God. It's just like a mountain of brownies. Actually, my producer came to me and she told me, Jacoby, did you know the brownie was invented in Chicago? And I was like, I'm going to be real with you, no. And then when I dug into the story a little bit more to find out that it was connected to the World's Fair 1893, I was like, okay, that makes sense. A lot of things came out during that, right? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Weeks leading up to the Lady Board of Governors luncheon, Bertha Palmer was the uh, the chair of that group, and so she wanted to provide a confection that nobody has tried. She wanted something new, and uh, so she walked into the Palmer House kitchen, and she, uh, she told the pastry chef, I want you to create something. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, there was brown sheet cake, and uh, she tried it, and she loved it, and she asked the chef, what do I call it? The first thing, well, it's brown sheet cake. Let's call it brownie. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, she introduced it as the brownie at the World's Fair, and the rest is history. Louisa, have you dined on the Palmer House brownie? I have. First, let's establish what it is. And I'm glad that you know the different mm-hmm. schools of the fudgy or cakey brownie. They was tasty. Yeah, there was absolutely that fudgy brownie. And I'm so glad that you noted the apricot glaze because the Palmer House actually includes their recipe on their website and they don't have in the list of ingredients apricot glaze. And I was like, wait, but where? Oh, there it is. It's like they mentioned it. So if you're out shopping at the Jewels, you know, you might you might miss it. Um, and then uh-huh. also walnuts is a really important ingredient on that. And the walnuts were, were nice and toasted. Yep. The, it, it fit right in. Yep. 
so that's like the sweet side of it, um, Jacoby. I, I got to let you down a little bit about that, is that it is generally understood by food nerds like me. The Palmer House brownie origin story is one of the origin stories of the brownie. So there are other brownie origin stories. You got to put me on game because as you imagine, the the hotel did not offer (laughs) a varied history lesson. They didn't, you know. I mean, but they absolutely invented um, a brownie there. (laughs) And it's kind of a little bit on, you know, the, uh, you know, like the lesser known in terms of, uh, you know, popular foods. I mean, it certainly has a certain mythology. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In my opinion, another underrated Chicago classic is the pizza puff. Uh, You know, cheese, tomato, sauce wrapped in a tortilla, deep fried. Um, I grew up with pizza puffs, getting them at Sharks, getting them at JJ's. Mm -hmm. I love them because they sprinkle that good seasoning on top. Get you a little lemon pepper seasoning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the pizza puff? Yeah, so the pizza puff is such a curious uh, creation. So I'm over here at the JJ Fish on 47th and Lake Park with producer Simone Alisea. And we just grabbed us a little pizza puff. We don't know what the filling is. It just said pizza puff. Mm -hmm. So my assumption is... Uh, red sauce and cheese and maybe something else. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hot. Yeah, it's hot. It's going to burn the roof of your mouth for sure. I still can't tell if there's any meat in it. <laughs> you probably won't for a couple bites. I don't hate it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you took a big bite. Oh, my God. It's, burnt, it's definitely meaty in there. Oh, yeah. It's a little meat in there. I don't know what kind of meat it Me is. Me neither. <laughs> maybe ground beef, maybe ground sausage. I could definitely see myself throwing down on this, like late night yeah it's a perfect like right before you go to sleep drunk and high type snack yeah i've like like shamefully ordered a a late night pizza buff a couple times it's surprising i think for a lot of people that the pizza puff is a flour tortilla on the outside and the classic ingredients on the inside like you were saying it's just like the flavors of a pizza and so the company that created it in chicago is il taco an Assyrian immigrant used Mexican and Italian ingredients to create this wonderful Chicago immigrant love story in a deep fried puff. You know, it's funny because I have not had the lemon pepper seasoning, you know, when I was growing up uh, and having them. Lemon and pepper was either a home thing or a South Side thing, not necessarily. Uh, north side thing and somewhat sort of like, you know, west side and southwest side thing, which, you know, I think we all know in Chicago, it's we have our various geographic um, separations in terms of food for sure. But um, uh, that company that started in 1927, that in the 70s, founder's grandson came up with this idea. Yeah, let's let's figure out how to use this tortilla to wrap pizza ingredients. It seems kind of like, boom, it was invented. It was actually a really... Um, serious technological achievement to create that. To how to, I mean, it, it kind of is because like it's not just folding it all up and then popping it in a deep fry. Mm. That at a restaurant, if your pizza puff busts in the deep fryer, that means it degrades that oil, and so that's a serious consideration. So they had so much trial and error, and uh, so lo and behold, this um, humble pizza puff, which seems like it's you know some uh, '70s uh, stoner kids invention. <laughs> actually a lot of trial and error i mean it's, it's something about that index car a little bigger than the index car it type has, shape it looks like a um a pop tart 
Yes, yeah, that's it's, what it's, it is. It's just straight pop tart. It's like shades. a pop tart. It's mm-hmm. and it's, it's just the, the integrity holds up so well. Yeah. I'm like really impressed at the integrity of this snack. It's just really good. We talked pizza puffs. We talked brownies. Mm-hmm. What is one of your favorite lesser known Chicago foods? Well, we I think share a cosmic connection in this, Jacoby. It, I think yeah, we do. It is the classic. And very little known among some people, sweet steak or steak sweet or supreme steak sandwich um, mm-hmm. invented originally at Taurus Flavors, but currently really only widely available, only really available at Home of the Hoagie. Home of the Hoagie. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's your place, right? Home of the Hoagie? Yeah. Home of the Hoagie. You can grab it's like great ribeye steak with cheese, grilled onions. You can get the sweet and the hot peppers. I tend to go with just the sweet peppers, yeah. the sweet sauce with those tomato slices, and I love my fries drowned yes. in that home of the hoagie <laughs> sweet sauce. I just, I, I gotta have it. It's, you're gonna have to wait in line to get it, but it's always worth yes. it. Yes. It's always, it's always smart. Yeah. And, and it is typically, not typically, it is a South Side thing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a North Side yeah, thing. Yeah, give me some more of that history. Yeah. So, I had talked to um, the son of the founders of Taurus Flavors, um, Edward Perkins, and his wife and his family opened uh, Taurus Flavors. Um, He was actually inspired to create this sandwich by an army buddy of his from a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. And then he took some of these essential elements from Chicago-style foods, you know, like we were talking about. So they have a neon green sweet peppers, typically, and then also the sport peppers, the chopped ribeye steak uh, with their seasonings and grilled onions with that cheese. And then it's a soft steam bun, and it is that sweet sauce that is so elusive. And uh, at Taurus, they never sold that sauce separately. I know Home of the Hoagie mm. did. I don't know if they still do. When did they start cranking out the sweet steak sandwich? So this generally uh, accepted. It, it's it's a fact, I should say, that it was invented at Taurus, but then Home of the Hoagie also became, you know, one, um, you know, one of the great purveyors. There were other locations of Taurus flavors, but not related. So it's it's a complicated family. It's a little messy sandwich, a little messy history, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, in that sandwich alone, you can again see such a divide because when I talk to people on the south side they like are shocked that people on the north side have no idea what this is and people on the north side are like mm-hmm. what is this you know and so um you know when we were talking about the brownie and the pizza puff like the origin stories behind them are you know sometimes a little more legend than actual concrete fact like how important do you think it is to like get to a clear story or is it just cool that you know we have some story involved about where these dishes come from I think it's both with um, Dave's Red Hots, the oldest hot dog stand in Chicago. I just recently did that story. And for so long, people had basically kind of like, you know, sort of shrugged it off. and was like, yeah, we're not really sure who Dave was. And that included the family of the second owners who ran it for 30 years and the current owners, um, you know, who have now run it as a black owned business for 50 years. They didn't really know. It was a fascinating history that Dave Kaplan was a Russian teenager who walked out of Russia to escape the Tsar's army because he didn't think it was a good idea as a young Jewish man. And that what he went through to come here and then also then passed it on to another family 
another immigrant family who ran it for 30 years and how that supported four generations and that now it's passed on to another four generations. Again, there's almost, I'm literally getting chills. I think it's important to to find these answers when we can, because again, you know, they're so enriching, but understanding sometimes that, you know, are just going to be lost to history. Louisa Chu, an amazing friend of the show and a food critic at the Chicago Tribune. Thank you for talking lesser known Chi-Town foods with me, Louisa. Thank you so much, Jacoby. This tastes better after that history. It does. That was Dean Lane from the Palmer House Hilton teaching us about the brownie. Last week, the hotel celebrated its 150th anniversary. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Portillo's released financial information and future plans for the restaurant ahead of the company going public. Chicago land locations averaged about $9 million in annual sales, which isn't really a shocker. I've never seen an empty Portillo's line. The company believes it can balloon from 67 to well over 600 locations across the country in just the next two decades. The MacArthur Foundation gave out its annual Genius Grants, and one of the winners was Jacqueline Stewart, a professor at University of Chicago. Stewart also started the Southside Home Movie Project, which collects and preserves old home movies from Southside neighborhoods. And some good news to get you through. Single game playoff tickets for the White Sox go on sale today at 2 p.m. That means October is here. The Sox won the division for the first time in 13 years, which means the team is in win or bust mode. Remember, for more Chicago stories and events, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. And if you share with your friends and family, you could get some CityCast merch. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Brownies, pizza puffs, sweet steaks. What you need is some water.